want to tell you guys a little, Carissa, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? Um, guys, this is Carissa. Do you guys know Carissa? Yeah. Um, today's Carissa's last Sunday with us. Um, she's been, she came in at such a pivotal time of the church, and obviously she does a wonderful job just leading us in worship, but she's just so much more than a person who just leads people in worship. Um, she's super, super, super sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing, and a lot of the things, a lot of the great things that we've been doing in this church have been because of Carissa and her input and just coming to me and saying, hey, have we thought about doing it this way? Have we thought about doing it that way? And so um, I just want you guys online and in person, could, you, could we just stand up and honor her and just give and thank her for all that she's done? Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, we just want to say thank you for all that you've done in the past year and a half. I, I mean, it, it was wild. Like, we literally had, uh, at a time, we had uh, worship leaders who were moving because of COVID, and they were like, well, we don't know who's going to lead worship. And like, literally within the next hour, Carissa pops up, and she's like, I can do it. And I was just like, oh, of course, yes, amen. So on behalf of Pioneer Church, we just want to give this to you and say thank you so much. That's from everyone in here. We just love you. Um, thank you so much for all that you do. And before she leaves, can we, I have some people just come up here. Uh, or actually, stay where you are and just stretch out your hand. We're just going to pray for her and where she's going and where God is leading her. Um, Father, we just thank you for Carissa. We thank you for the way that she has served this house, Lord God. I pray that you begin, you continue to bless her. Uh, beyond what she can understand, Lord God. And so, Lord, I pray that for every decision, every step that she takes, Lord God, that you're with her, Lord God. Fill her with faith and fill her with your spirit, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that right now, even right now, you're working it all out for her good. So thank you for her spirit, Lord God. I pray that wherever she ends up, Lord God, that she just continues to be a light, Lord. And so, Jesus, I just thank you for her life. I thank you for her family, Lord God, who supported her while she's been um, serving at Pioneer. So, Thank you for each and every one of them. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Carissa. We love you. We love you. That means you have to hear me lead worship. No, I'm just kidding. Thank God for Heather and Colin. Because if I had to lead worship, there would be a lot less people in here. Um, last week, we talked about uncharted stewardship uncharted stewardship stewardship and this week we're talking about <clears throat> uncharted prayer and what prayer looks like and how it's uncharted and I want to start off by by saying uh, we're not only gonna I'm not only gonna teach you guys about prayer but we're also going to pray as a community and that'll be towards the end so the, the it'll change up just a little bit but that shouldn't surprise you because if God's people don't pray, what are we doing? Amen? Let me pray over the word. Father, I thank you for this word. Fill me up with words from your throne. If I don't preach your gospel, if I don't preach the kingdom, if I don't preach any of that, Lord, I've missed it. So show me, show me how to teach on something that is so personal. Show us how to continue to pray and pray better and without ceasing. 
In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. amen. I want to give you guys a working explanation kind of definition that I've been working on for the past couple months about what prayer is. Because prayer, if I go by what the dictionary says or Wikipedia says about prayer, we'll miss it. We'll miss it. And so I want you guys to write this down. Prayer is verbal and nonverbal communication granting God permission to intercede with heavenly power and resources to impact the earthly realm for his influence and purpose. That's a good one, huh? I'll say it again. That was from the Holy Spirit. Prayer is verbal and nonverbal communication, granting God permission to intercede with heavenly power and resources to impact the earthly realm for his influence and his purpose. The too long, didn't read version is prayers asking God for help on his terms for our benefit. One more time? Yeah? <laughs> okay. I'll have people looking at me like, Please say it one more time. Prayer is verbal and nonverbal communication. So it's what's coming out of your mouth and not what's coming out of your mouth because prayer is not only what, what you say, prayer is a posture of the heart. Okay? So sometimes prayer can be what comes out of your mouth, but it can be the things that you've been praying on your heart. Anyone are in a situation that something's been on your heart and you just start praying, but it's not coming out of your mouth, it's just on the inside. So it's verbal and nonverbal communication right? Granting God permission to intercede. Granting God permission to intercede. God is a gentleman. He will not force his will upon you. He will not burden you and put his will on you. When we pray, we are asking God, we're saying, hey, we want you to intercede in this situation that's going on right now. I'm inviting you and I'm welcoming you to intercede in this situation with your heavenly power and your heavenly resources. Because so many times as Christians, I feel like we just want to be like, God, why don't you just do it? You know what I need, just do it. God, you know I need this, just do it. Like some of us who are in relationships, we understand. Like how come they just don't do it? We've been dating or married for X amount. No, God is a gentleman. He doesn't just do stuff. You want to see him intercede, there has to be permission. There has to be saying, God, I need you to show up in this situation right now. I need you to intercede on my behalf, but not with my earthly resources, with your power and your heavenly resources. Because anytime you intercede, you always bring more than what I ask for. And we're granting him permission. And I know that sounds weird. That sounds weird to say, what do you mean granting God permission? Because God will not intercede unless there is a need. Unless we vocalize the need, unless we put the need out there, he's going to say, all right, do it on your own. But when we say, God, I need you to show up, he's saying, thank you for the permission and watch me overflow what I'm about to do in your situation right now. It's granting God permission to intercede with heavenly power and resources. And why is heavenly power and resources so important? Because if we just try to do it in our own strength, that is limited resources and limited power. Some of us, we are like, well, I only know this person and I only know that person. 
So surely I couldn't get to that point on my own. But when we invite God into this equation, when we say God intercede on our behalf, he begins to work things out you didn't even know you needed. Sometimes you meet people that you're like, oh, I didn't, I don't even know what I'm doing in this room. I don't even know what I'm doing in this situation, but by the grace of God to impact the earthly realm for his influence and his purpose. For his influence and his purpose. That's why we must pray and stay in the spirit, right? It says pray in the spirit at all times because when you pray in the spirit, you are praying the things that the Father wants to provide for you. So many times we catch ourselves not praying in the spirit and just praying things that we want. And then we're mad at God when we don't get them. But oh God, I wanted that. God. God. The pastor said that, like, I'm just going to, I'm supposed to prosper all the time. That doesn't say that in the word. Find it for me in the gospel that you're supposed to prosper all the time. Matter of fact, Jesus came and he said the exact opposite thing, which is, like, frustrating. Hey, he goes, in this life, you will have troubles. What? You, <laughs> you sure you meant to say that, Jesus? In this life, you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Prayer is not just talking. I think we've been taught that so many times in the church world, that prayer is just talking, and it's rambling, and it's just putting words in the sky. Prayer is getting our hearts in the posture to listen. Some of us babble on and on and on when we go to pray. We just talk and talk and talk. I remember I was in a, in a quiet time with the Lord, and I was just praying. And you know, you know when you get one of them good prayers, and you're like, I just, you saw like a little bit of sweat coming, and you saw saying words that you're like, I didn't even know I knew that word. But God, I need you to show up. And God, and then I was like, in Jesus' name, amen. And I just ended it. Like I just hung up on the phone like, amen. You know, if you, had a, if you guys know what a flip phone is, like, amen, phone calls over. I just remember, like, saying that, and the Holy Spirit just so tenderly, just so tenderly was just like, you're not going to let me talk? You're not going to let me talk? And I find that in the moments when we're praying, we're so caught up with putting, filling the words, filling the sky in the room with words that the Holy Spirit is just like, would you just get quiet before me? I don't know if you guys know the song. It says, better is one day in your courts, right? I got in trouble one time. <laughs> I was dribbling a basketball in church one time in the church foyer. And he was like, you know where you are? I was like, well, better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. That didn't go over too well. But so many times we just ramble before God and we just throw up words before God. And there are a lot of times where I believe Jesus is like, would you just get quiet before me? If you can just get quiet before me, I'm going to speak to you. If you're willing to listen, 
So many times we're taught that prayer is a one-sided communication. It's a one-sided conversation. We just talk and God, you listen and you do like he's a waiter waiting on us for our order. But that's not the way it works. You see, every time that I see Jesus praying, he says, I'd never do anything outside of the Father's will. And the only way to know the Father's will is that when he talks, I listen and I respond. I I don't want my prayers just to fill a room. I don't want to just pray words where they're just filling a room. I want to be able to get silent before God and say, God, in this time of prayer, I need to hear your voice because I need to know what your will is. I need to know how to respond to this situation. I need to know how to pray over someone. How can I do that? And there are times, literally, if you get in a moment of prayer, in a posture of prayer, and you just wait for the Lord, even in his word, he says, those who wait on me, I will give them wisdom. If you wait on me and that's not just saying oh I'm going to stand here but it's being able to do your job and waiting on the Lord and say God I'm waiting for you to talk to me I want you to talk I want to hear you because when you wait in those moments when you wait on the Lord you will still hear his still small voice and it'll be something that'll impact you for the rest of the month and you're like oh my gosh that's the voice of my father we all have parents in here That in a crowded room, if they were to yell our name in a distinct way, we know. When my mom calls my name, when my dad calls my name, and they're a little edgy, I know. In a crowd, I know their voice. And God is desiring the same thing in a world full of noise, in a world full of Instagram and social media and hanging out with friends. And none of those things are inherently bad. But in a world full of noise, do we know his voice distinctly? Do we know when he says, Jeremy, when he says, uh, hey, child, when he calls us by name, do we say, oh, that's the voice of my dad's calling me. I know his voice. That's why it's so funny. Like, I know in the Bible, he compares us to sheep, and sheep are not smart animals. They're not. And a lot of people get offended by that. But I can tell you from reading a book and then being on a farm that sheep know the voice of their shepherd. You can go in that, in that pen, and you can even try and fake it, and they will not come to you. I want to know my father's voice so much that when he says that, I'm just drawn to him. I hear him. Prayer is the most powerful communication weapon. I say communication weapon the believer can have today. It is the most powerful communication weapon that the believer can have today because we can send and receive things that will impact the earthly realm from another realm. From the heavenly realm. But the problem is, for a lot of Christians, for a lot of us, it's a low priority on our list of values. We would rather sometimes complain and work in our own strength to figure out a situation than to wait on the Lord. Anyone else, right? I know I'm not by myself. I would, when something comes my way, if there's a problem, if there's a situation, I would rather in my own strength try to fix something and maneuver something and manipulate a situation and have it go my way than to sit there and wait on the Lord. 
Because you, we, we, we have this weird, weird thing going on. We do. As a culture, as Christians, we just believe like, okay, I prayed, therefore I am done, and now I'm going to keep on doing and working in my own strength. And that's not the way it works. I find, even in my own life, a sense of conviction when I say, all right, I prayed, I read my Bible, I'm done. And God is like, that's not all I have to say to you. I'm still talking to you. So would you just stay in this posture of prayer and be sensitive to what I have to say to you? And that doesn't mean just sitting in a room all day, but that means while you're at work, that means while you're being a parent, that means while you're in the classroom, while you're in your dorms, wherever you are, the posture of prayer doesn't have to be a physical thing. It's an internal submission to Christ saying, God, I'm being sensitive and delicate to you. Because when I hear you, when I listen to you, you just change everything. Some of us... Like, I mean, how many times people, a lot of us, like, we'll be in a funky attitude sometimes, and instead of just staying in this posture of prayer, and this heart of prayer, we just go on to the next thing, and we wonder why we're so frustrated, and yet God is like, if you would just sit and wait on me, and, and talk to me, and I'll talk to you, I can point out why you're frustrated. But yet we want to Google sometimes, oh, why is this happening? We see in Scripture that Jesus would literally walk away from crowds to pray. It's in Mark 1.35. It says, And in the morning, a great while before the day, he rose and went out to a lonely place, and there he prayed. We see that Jesus, in his 33 years of life, in the Scriptures, highlights him going away from people to pray. Moving away from people to pray. Because I believe in what I read in that scripture. He's like, if I didn't get up and pray, if I didn't talk to the Father, he might have done something outside of the will of the Father, which might have been inherently good, but not been the Father's will. There's a lot of us who want to do a lot of good things, amen? And those things aren't bad, and those things are really inherently good. But if we're doing a good thing outside of the Father's will, it's no longer his perfect will, but his permissive will. And Jesus, he isolated time intentionally saying, I need to get away from everyone because I just need to talk to the Father, and I need the Father to talk to me. I need him to download in me the game plan for today. That's how serious he took it. If we look at other religions, they highlight prayer so much that they will stop what they're doing and they'll pray five times a day in a direction that if they're off by a degree, they've blasphemed. And yet we have a connection to the God of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and yet we treat it like a fast food line. <sighs> I hate that. And I don't say that. I just... Because I look at my own life. I look at my own life and I'm just like, God, why do I do that? There are other religions who literally will stop what they're doing and they'll lay out a carpet and they'll pray in the direction. And yet here, I can walk and do whatever, but yet I don't ever posture my heart to listen to you. Prayer is that powerful. Prayer is that powerful. 
It's, a lit, it's the literal thing that can change the tide in your life. Some of us have been praying for the same thing over and over and over and over again. And God is like, I, I, if you just stop talking and if you just stop moving and you just wait on me, I will give you the answer. What does he say? If you want wisdom, pray for it. I'm not just going to give you a little peace. I'm going to overflow it in your life. We live in a culture that suffers from FOMO. For all, I have to look it up too. It's the fear of missing out. We have this fear of missing out. That's why so many of us, in the, and even in the younger generation, we're just in this constant scroll zone, and we're just scrolling and scrolling, and if we miss out, and I'm not saying this as a condemnation, I'm saying this as a reflection of myself as well. We're just scrolling, and there are times when God is like, man, it's okay to miss out on what the world's doing. Just don't miss out on what I'm saying to you. Where did, wh whose voice do you value, cultures or mine? We suffer from this place. It's okay to miss out on the world for a moment and get together with Jesus. I want you guys to write this down. Prayer loses its potency when it's not accompanied by faith and it would be when it becomes our last resort and not our primary posture. I'll say that one more time. Prayer loses its potency when it's not accompanied by faith and when it becomes our last resort and not our primary posture. Sometimes a lot of us, we've been praying for things that we want to see God change and move, but yet we're not living by faith and believing that he's going to answer it the way he's going to answer it. It's just like, oh God, you know, when we pray like this, and we do, and I've prayed like this too, so I don't, I mean, it's not a condemnation. It's just, you know, God, if you got time, if you could just, you know, do whatever. God, I know it's not that big a deal, but, you know, if you can just help me out with this. But it says when you pray, pray with faith. Pray with expectation. Pray believing that he's going to do everything that he said he's going to do according to his will and purpose. Jesus says in Mark 11, 23 to 24, he says, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that they, that, excuse me, that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. I'm not, listen, this is not a prosperity gospel I'm preaching. I'm not saying ask God for a million dollars and believe it with all your heart and it will be yours. This is not that kind of church. This is not that kind of gospel. I'm saying when you pray the will of God and you say, God, I want everything that you have for me according to your goodwill and your good purpose. I know it's for my benefit to impact the earthly realm. God is like, I will pour it out. I will give it to you because you understand at that point that it's not for you. What's the definition of prayer? What did we define prayer as? It's God to intercede with heavenly resources and power to impact the earthly realm for his influence and purpose. 
When I start praying in that channel, when I focus my mind and I'm praying and I'm meditating in that place, everything that I need is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Everything that you need is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. But if you pray without faith, it's like having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without no peanut butter and jelly. It's just two pieces of bread. There's no consistency to it. You might as well just be throwing up words to the air. Faith gives your prayers so much gas. It just sends it to heaven and God is like, oh, he's praying my will. You see that? They're praying my will again. And he's believing that I'm going to do it. Sometimes we need to start thanking God for things that are not. We need to get in a place of saying, God, I know right now I'm struggling financially, but this is not going to last forever, so I'm going to thank you for this job. Some of you guys are like, I mean, I don't even know what job he's talking about, but I'm going to thank him anyways. There was a time, and then (laughs) there was a time, so I was graduating from high school, and uh, where I had my graduation um, was the college that I wanted to go to. And do you know how embarrassing it was that day? Because they already, like, decl- they already, like, didn't accept me. Uh, I got the letter. I was like, oh, you're not accepted. Because for some reason, you can quantify. Anyways, so they said no. And so I remember walking around and people asking me, <laughs> hey, where are you going to college? I was like, right here. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. And I was just, like, it seemed every, everywhere that day, everyone was asking me, where are you going to college? And I was like, I'm going to this college right here. Brooklyn College, I'm going here. This is the college I'm going to. This is the college I'm going to. And it's just like, there was a little bit of fake it till you make it, you know, because I'm like, they'll never know. They'll never not see me on this campus. <laughs> you know? And so I, was, I just remember at the end of that day, I was just praying. I was like, God, I, I, I want to come here, and I know I'm supposed to be here, and I know I got denied, but I'm going to be here. Because you know what I've learned at that time? God will maintain his name. God will maintain his name. He won't put me to shame. And so I remember just praying, and so... Um, a couple months go by, and it's like a month or two before uh, classes start. And me and my mom, who was helping me in this process, we go to admissions. And we're just telling them, like, listen, SAT scores can't quantify inspiration. That's why I have this real weird thing about standardized testing. You can't, can't, can't quantify inspiration. So I'm talking to the guy, and you know, I submitted a portfolio of all the accomplishments I had or whatever. And I, and I just remember telling um, and just saying to people, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to this college. I'm going to, I'm going to this college. And so I'm sitting in the admissions counselor's office, and we're talking. And he goes, and we're just talking, and he's asking me questions, and what about this, and what about that, and whatever. And then he calls his secretary, and he goes, hey, I want you to come in. I want you to meet Jeremy. He's a new student here at Brooklyn College. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, what did you just say? What? 
And see, I did all that, and I really thought that whole thing was for, like, God, and God showed up in that moment. But you have to understand, God didn't show up for me because my dad, who didn't love Jesus at the time, who doesn't read the Bible, goes, man, Jeremy's got some faith. Man, Jeremy's got some faith. He was telling people that day, what? Jeremy's got some wild faith. And so when you pray, you don't pray as if you're not going to receive it. You pray as if it already was. Some of you guys are praying, you're going to be praying for children. Pray as if it already was. You're going to be praying for work. Pray and thank God as if it already was. God, I don't know how I'm going to get there. God is like, don't worry about that. I'm going to get you there. And so there are times when you got to say, God, I'm going to thank you for this spouse that I've been praying for. I don't know her name. I don't know what they look like. I don't know what they sound like. But I just thank you for it. They're going to have a good day today because I prayed for them. God, I don't know where this job is coming from. I know you put this dream in me. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to pray and thank you because it's already done in you. This is the calling you put in me. Prayer, write this down, write this down. Prayer can be private, it can be in public, and it can be corporate. Jesus prayed in public not for the public. Those are two separate things. Those are two separate things. We're going to go to Matthew 6. Because Jesus gives the disciples instructions on how to pray, and I'm going to land this plane soon. Because they ask him, how do, how do, the disciples say, how, how should we pray? And Jesus goes, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corner to be seen by others. See, you, Jesus is saying like, hey, you don't put, prayer is not a show for someone else. Right? Jesus didn't pray for, Jesus prayed in, he didn't pray for the public appeasal. He didn't pray so they could see him. He prayed because he wanted to be a model, an example. So there's two different things going on. When Jesus prayed in public, it wasn't so that people can see him and so that he was a spectacle. He prayed in public to set a model example for someone else, but it wasn't for anybody else. He says... Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in heaven who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. There are a couple times in my prayer life where I would literally just sit there in silence, and I would just go, amen, and just walk out the room. And to someone who's on the outside looking in, they're like, did you even pray? I did, but I was listening. I was just listening. I just waited on him and listened. And then he goes, this is how then you should pray. Now, I want to tell you that this framework that he gives, and called the Our Father, this framework that he gives isn't saying, like, you need to pray like this each and every single time. He's saying, here's a framework, here's a blueprint on how you should pray. And then he, Jesus starts off this prayer so wild for that time. Jesus was like a maverick. Like, he just did wild things. And people are like, oh, wow, that's real bold. He goes, our Father. And in that time, everyone's head is like, er? What do you mean, our Father? 
No one had approached God that way ever before. So when Jesus says, our Father, he places this intimacy on God that has never been seen before in that time. He goes, this is not just my dad, this is our dad. So everyone starts looking at him. Imagine the disciples' face like, could he really speak to God that way? Because they, God was, they reverenced God so much, they didn't even mention his name. They couldn't even say it. And Jesus just goes, he goes, start off like this, our Father our dad, who are in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I went to a Catholic school. Sometimes the priest would be like, oh yeah, say like five, five our fathers. And you just say it. But then when you really start to understand it, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. This is a framework for intimacy. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. And, some, and if you notice, it says, let your will be done. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. I don't want to eat stale bread. Some of us haven't read the Bible since last year. And you just were like, man, why is this bread so hard? He was like, I want to feed you every day. I'm trying to give you something new every day. If you would just spend time with me. God was no longer far off. Jesus prayed as if these things were already here. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to turn to Acts really quickly. I want to read something to you, and then I want um, the worship team, if you guys can come up in just a moment, because I want you to see the impact of a praying church and what happens when you pray. It says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to also seize Peter as well. Some of you guys are getting persecuted by people because they're winning the approval of other people, but that's a whole other sermon. This happened during the festival of the unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in the prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. I want to focus on this. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Peter was in prison. Peter was in prison. And what does the church do? They're praying. You see, there are people in our lives who are currently in prison. And if we would just get together and pray... Something can happen. There can be a shift in the atmosphere because it's not on our own strength. You see, no one in the church went to, to Herod to say, hey, you got to let Peter out. Hey, let Peter out. Hey, come on, that's not fair. Hey, I know you're just doing this because you want public approval. Hey, let Peter out. And some of us are writing all these letters to government. And yet in the Bible, we see an example of the church saying, like, oh, they locked Peter up. Let me go to the resource that they can't touch. Let me go to the person who controls everything and holds everything all together, so much so that I don't even need to talk to Herod because my God is bigger than Herod is. 
You see, some of us were so focused on, oh, let me go and get the government and twist their arms and do something, and yet we never visit prayer. We never understand that, you know what, let me pray first. Because if I get before God, God can move the chess pieces in a way that I don't understand. But we're so focused on the individual on earth. If you think the government's listening to you, I'm sorry, they're not. But that's okay, because we serve a God who listens to every tear that falls, to every word that you pray, to every burden that's on your back, and he doesn't stop listening, and he doesn't get bored, and he doesn't hang up the phone. He's just like, if you would just come and pray to me, I can change the situation. Verse 6, it says, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping. This, so I make this joke constantly, the rapper 2 Chains is in the Bible, and it's right here. Um, it says, the night before Herod was bringing him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two, two soldiers bound with two chains. There you go. He's a biblical rapper now. Just kidding. Um, and the sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, which is really funny. I just see the angel like slap Peter on the back of his head like, man, wake up, you know. And he woke him up. He says, quick, get up. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. He says, wrap your cloak around you. You see, when you pray and God is delivering someone, he's not just going to let them walk out in a mess. He's like, no, nah, get all your stuff too. I don't want someone to think I just pulled you from this spot. I want them to see I delivered you from this. So get all your stuff with you. Get yourself together. Because you're about to be on display. Whew, y'all ain't ready for that. Um... He says, wrap your cloak around you. Peter followed him out the prison, but he had no idea what the angel had been doing, really happening. He thought he was just seeing a vision. They passed through the first and second guards and came to the iron gate, leading them to the city. It opened for them by itself. This is a whole, this is a whole deliverance thing. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And then Peter said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent this angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and they were praying. But they didn't say amen. In the middle of prayer, this is what happens. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and the servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. And they, what did they tell You're out of your mind, they told her. You're out of your mind. You see, when I bring things to God, how he answers them is out of my time frame. Hey, Peter's delivered. Nah, you crazy. No, for real, like, that prayer is answered. He did it. He's there right. Did you open the door? No, 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 he didn't. What does that look like for you? I needed to pay a bill. God, I need help. Hey, I just felt like I needed to bless you with this money. Oh, oh, that's real fast. God, you work at Godspeed. It's not fast, it's slow. It's just right on time. It says, but Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. He said, tell James and the other brothers and sisters, he said, tell them about this. And then he left them for another place. 
if my worship team can come up. You see, prayer is so powerful that in the middle of them praying, Peter's deliverance was already happening. The moment they started praying, and you say, you may, and you're like, what does that have to do with me? You have been praying for a family member for so long to receive Christ. They've been on your heart and they've been on your mind. But somewhere in you, there's a little bit of doubt that says that can't happen to me. But I want to let you know the same Jesus that took Peter out of this prison, the same God that sent an angel to deliver him is the same God that can send Jesus to deliver your family member out of their situation. It's the same God, and today will be the day, this moment will be the moment where we're going to come together as a family and we're going to pray. And I want men to gather with men and women to gather with women, because what does scripture say? When two or three are gathered, there's an amen in the heaven, and deliverance is happening, and they're going to say, oh man, something happened on October 31st, 2021, when someone started praying, and I was just getting pulled out of this situation so much so that tomorrow may show up and they be like, something happened to me and you're going to be like, I can't believe it. That's that same God. Well, she couldn't even, she didn't even open the door. She said, Peter's here. Peter, how is he here right now? If you guys don't mind standing with me. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you believe, but I believe today, this morning, at 11.52, I believe that there's going to be a deliverance in this room, that we're going to pray for someone who doesn't even know they're catching his holy hands, all right? We're going to pray, and we're going to bring them before God as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're going to stand today. We're going to stand in the gap because prayer is saying, hey, God, I need you to intercede because their soul is bound to hell, but today I'm going to stand in the gap, and you're going to set them free, and we're going to pray as a family because they're going to knock at your door and they're going to say, God has been doing something in me. I need you to pray with me. Men, women, right now, if, we don't, if you guys don't mind getting together, men, get in groups of three or however men, get in, get in a group and I want you to share just the person that you're praying for. Share with them, this is who I'm praying for. And, this, and don't pray without believing. Don't pray as if it can't happen within the next hour. If Jesus says, if I, if I had the faith to tell the mountain to get up and move, throw yourself into the sea, I believe for a person he could say, no, no, we're going to save that soul from hell today. So if you guys can, get men, get with the men, get in groups of three. Women, get with women in groups of three. We're going to have the worship team just leading us in some songs, but share their name. And if you're online, this is a good time to get in your household with your family and say, we're going to pray for this family member. Hell is not their destination. They will not be in bondage and in prison. There's a deliverance happening today. Hallelujah, Lord God.
Ethiopia.